Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm praying more so like, Jesus, can you come back and just like fix all this mess? Because we, we, and I'm going to say a we collectively as a nation, we have no idea what we're doing. We have no clue. We have no clue. I know this, God is in control. And whoever is up there is there because God has allowed it to happen. So I'm praying for them. Even the ones I may not agree with, we're praying for them. We're praying for them because our country is lost. There's a temptation to look around at the state of the world and have uncertainty and fear. However, if we believe and follow Jesus Christ, we have hope. Our hope isn't in the things of this world or man's ability to fix things, but rather in the one who created all of it. In today's message, Pastor James will be sharing the importance of knowing God is in control. If we believe that God is still on the throne and in control, then we shouldn't worry about how things are going to play out because he has a plan. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah chapter 9 as Pastor James continues his message, The Greatest Gift. And the miracle of all miracles, we went through Genesis, we got to see this, God forms man and stoops down and breathes into his lungs, performs mouth-to-mouth CPR on this clay figure, and he comes alive. Kind of like Frosty, gets the hat, and he comes alive. He breathes into his lungs, and then, I mean, it's just life. It's life. And at that moment in time, it was life everlasting until sin entered in. And that's where you find yourself, Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They, that sin, they rebelled against God. God said, hey, you can eat whatever fruit you want to. Okay, please understand that about the Genesis chapter 3 story. It wasn't like God's like, hey, don't eat that fruit from that tree. You need to flip that around to where God says, hey, you see all these trees and this fruit? Knock yourself out. This one, you need to stay away from that one. It's for your own good. Don't touch that one. But look at all these other trees. See, sometimes when people communicate that story, they're like, it's almost as if God is singling out this, saying, hey, no, bad, bad, bad. Stay away. You know, as if he's withholding something. He's like, no, he opened up the entire garden to these people and says, you can have whatever you want. Just stay away from this one because this one will cause you problems. And they said, okay. And then the snake or whatever he actually literally was, it's Satan in the form of something, um, slithers in, so to speak, and says, hey, why would God want to withhold from you the opportunity to be like him? Seems selfish. Well, no, no, no. This is the most selfless God ever. He is continually giving and creating for us. Satan's like, no, 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 no. He is withholding from you. He's a God who takes, not a God who gives. That's a lie. That's a lie. He's a God who gives. Are things taken away in our lives? Yeah, they are. But maybe if we understand what that is in proper perspective, we'd understand that quite possibly that could be God giving us something. 
But Satan's going to come in there and say, no, 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 he doesn't want you to be like him, so he's withholding this awesome thing from you. And they bought into it. They rebelled against God. They took of the fruit. And then there was sin. And then God shows up walking through the garden like he would do to spend time with his creation. And they're now hiding from him. And he calls them out on it. And that the plan was initiated there. The plan was already figured out in heaven, but the plan was initiated in Genesis chapter 3. And he says, listen, I'm going to send the Savior. You messed it up, but I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. So it goes back into Genesis chapter 3. But you got a long time between Genesis chapter 3 to Isaiah chapter 9. And this is a good reminder for them, but you're going to have another long time before you get to Bethlehem. But what we need to understand is this. God is faithful. He is true to his word. And he will show up when he's supposed to show up. He will. It might not be on your time schedule. But you're going to have to get over that. What you are doing is creating more conflict in your life. You're creating more stress in your life. You need to be a little bit more carefree and trusting in him, saying, all right, it's your time frame, right, God? What do I have to worry about? And then the enemy whispers in your ear. He's like, well, I got a list for you. Um, you need to worry about this, 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 and this. And then you have your own self, your own flesh that you have to, because you yourself have your own list. And it's like, well, I need to worry about this, 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 and this. And God's like, hey, don't worry about it. I got it all under control. I got it all under control. The scripture reading we read, Billy read today from, from Galatians chapter 4, when the time was right, God sent his son. It lined up perfectly. We know that it lined up perfectly because we had all these Old Testament prophecies. Isaiah chapter 7 talked about how the son would be born of a virgin. Well, you got to wait for whoever that, for them, you got to wait for whoever that was going to be. Well, it was Mary. And not just Mary, but you have a Joseph who's included in with that story. He needed to be a faithful man. Joseph should be a hero within the Bible, he does not get enough, I don't want to say praise, maybe enough props, right? Okay, enough recognition. Joseph was an honorable man. If you're not familiar with that story, he, he gets, listen, he's left in the, the shadows and all that stuff. I, I get it, right? But read the Christmas story. That guy was amazing. He was amazing. Just take into consideration you're betrothed to you and your girl, you're betrothed. You're going to get married. You're basically engaged. There's just been no consummation of the marriage. She comes to you one day and she says, um, listen, I need to tell you something. Um, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? Um, and she's like, oh, no, no, no. But God put this baby in me. He's like, what? Um, okay. No, see, culturally for them, he would have every right to publicly shame Mary publicly and be rid of her. I mean, he would have every right and he would have the support of the community and the religious leaders to drag her out into the streets and tell what she did to him. But that's not what he did. Praise God, an angel shows up in Joseph's life. But even if the angel hadn't shown up, we already know from Joseph that he had already had a plan where he was going to secretly put her away. That speaks volumes to this man's character. Volumes. Because he could have been like, man, she stepped out on me, and now she's pregnant. And he loved Mary. He loved Mary incredibly. 
enough to say, you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to put her away secretly, silently, because I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to bring any shame to her. And that's how much this guy loved her. That's, how, that's the character that this guy had. And then an angel shows up and says, Joseph, listen, whatever, what she told you is true. God has selected Mary to bring the Messiah into the world. Joseph, God has selected you to be the stepdad of Jesus. You get to raise the baby Jesus. And he did his job. He did his job. We don't know what happened to Joseph. We, do, we have... We have no indication, passed away at some point in time within the life of Jesus. We don't know how. We don't know any of that stuff. But we do know when those two were on this planet, when the time was exactly right, God showed up. And this promise was delivered on. Uh, we were watching a video yesterday concerning the prophecies uh, for our men's Bible study, the prophecies concerning Jesus. And there's estimates of how many are actually out there. Is it 400? Is it 40? Even if it's 40 for Jesus to fulfill these prophecies that are beyond his control is a miracle. I don't know how, you didn't get to pick your family. You know that, right? Like there wasn't like some negotiation deal before you showed up on this earth and you got to like maybe draw you know, a card out of a hat or something like, oh, I'm going with the grizzles, I guess. Okay, cool, right? That's not how it works. God has assigned you, and you're born into the family you're born into. That's how that works. But you have no control over that. Jesus was going to be born to Mary, and Joseph would be his stepdad. He was going to be born into that family. Now, being creator, he does have some control over that. But then you have to acknowledge the fact that he's God. Okay? okay, he's not a normal man. Yes, he is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. So that's incredible in and of itself. But when he was going to be born, where he was going to be born, the fact that you're going to have a crazy madman who's run in the country, so to speak, who's going to be calling a census at this point in time that's going to drive them from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, which is somewhere around 90 miles, in the last trimester of Mary's, you know, you don't travel in the last one. You just don't do that. Everybody knows that. You certainly don't go by donkey or by cart, okay? That's what they had to do. Why? Because the word said he would be born in Bethlehem. You don't, you don't get to pick and plan that out. And not, Mary and Joseph aren't like trying to hustle this thing and be like, okay, so what we need to do is um, we'll start off in Nazareth because that's what the word says. And then we got to work our way down. So let's try to figure out how we can manipulate the king to call a census that's going to drive us back down to Bethlehem. Are you serious? You understand the, the providence that's happening here, that God is in control. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, that guy's going to go nuts and he's going to want to kill our baby. And so we're going to have to flee to Egypt for a little bit until he dies, and then it's safe to come back. Yeah, you have no control over that. None. No control. These are all prophecies that Jesus is fulfilling as a baby, as a baby. That doesn't even count all the ones how he, how he strolled into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. On the exact day it was prophesied. The exact day it was prophesied. Thousands of years prior to that. The exact day. Well, you had to be born on this day and live you know, your life here, here, and here in order to, for that to be, even be fulfilled. Yeah, God's in control. He knows how to do it. So for the nation of Israel, during this dark time, this, this prophecy, this encouragement was given to them. 
It was given to us as well. And just to remind you, to remind myself, for a child is born to us, to us. A son is given to us. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You have been given the greatest gift humanity has ever known. And I hope you know that. And maybe you have known that. Maybe you've known that for so long that that's just kind of become numb to you. You need to remember that. And yeah, I get it. We should celebrate Christmas every day. Yeah, we should. But more specifically, we're here now. And so it's, you need to be reminded that God has given you his son. And let's just look at these little um, titles real fast, just so you can understand how amazing Jesus is. And then we're going to flip over to to the Gospels. But look at at this again, verse 6. For a child is born to us, and I understand this is Isaiah speaking to the nation of Israel. Okay, we get it. That was applicable to those guys, but it is also applicable to us as well, okay? A son has been born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Well, praise God for that, because I don't even know what our guys are even doing, but they don't seem to have anything figured out in our poor country. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm praying more so like, Jesus, can you come back and just like fix all this mess? Because we, we, and I'm going to say a we collectively as a nation, we have no idea what we're doing. We have no clue. We have no clue. I know this. God is in control. And whoever is up there is there because God has allowed it to happen. So I'm praying for them. Even the ones I may not agree with, we're praying for them. We're praying for them. Because our country is lost. Surprise, surprise. Your beautiful, wonderful Christian nation is not a Christian nation. It's not. That has gone by the wayside a long time ago. I don't care what anybody else says. This Christian nation no longer exists, and it might be prime for the greatest harvest it's ever seen. So praise God for that. Praise God for that. Not all hope is lost. It's not. Maybe this is a dark night for America. Maybe it is. Maybe that glimmer of hope, maybe that's Jesus. Maybe he's coming back soon. That's what we're praying for. But until then, we're praying for revival. And you know where the revival needs to start? Number one, it needs to start in my heart. It needs to start in your heart as well, your relationship with the Lord Jesus. But after that, revival has to happen in the church. <laughs> it has to happen in the church. It has to. That means God's got to do business with us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He, he will have it. It'll be his. We don't have to worry about it. His royal titles, I'm reading out the New Living Translation just because I, I appreciate the way it phrases some of these things, but it says, these will be his royal titles. Wonderful counselor. We can pause there. Do you need counseling? Number one, if you do, that is perfectly okay. Can I just say that from the pulpit as a pastor? If you need counseling, there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. There is nothing wrong with seeking out godly, biblical, professional help if you need it. I don't know what what has happened in our world, but somehow, and I've got friends, I've got former students who they just want to kick the church because somehow we don't do this right. Listen, if you need help, then get help. 
get help. God has equipped men and women, godly men and godly women with the ability to counsel and speak into your lives. I have a guy that I talk to every so often because I'm like, dude, I need to like, can I just throw up on you basically? Is that cool? Because I think I'm going nuts. Like, can I just like, he says, absolutely. He was, a, he was a paid staff counselor at the church I came from in Amarillo. Why? Well, because sometimes I need that. Because sometimes I need that. There is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you. You're normal. You're normal. Okay? That's, that's a part of fallen humanity. We, we, have these, we have these issues. We have these struggles. Chemical imbalances, dietary stuff, we, oppression. We have these things. So why not ask for help? Ask for help. It's okay. It's okay to do that. And it's okay to admit that. All right? It is. You're perfect. It's okay. But my caution is this. Seek out godly wisdom, godly counsel, godly. Make sure it's somebody, if you're going to say, you know what, man, I just need to, I just need somebody to speak into my life. What? Please, truth. Truth. Please. Let it be truth. And you know what? Sometimes, and with my friend who sometimes speaks truth into my life, it's sometimes things I don't really want to hear but I need to hear. James, it sounds like you're being selfish. Mm, you're right. <laughs> uh, ouch, that hurt. He's like, yeah, I know, but it's the truth. And I'm telling you the truth because I love you. Jesus is the most excellent counselor there ever is. So start there. That's sometimes a problem. We don't want to start there. And I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, there's, if, if there's warring inside of you, Please, by all means, go to Jesus first and foremost. Go to him. And he may point you and lead you to the direction of, a God, of one of his sons or daughters who's qualified to help you, but you have to start with him. And I think therein lies the problem with a lot of people in the church. They don't want to go to Jesus. Why? Go to him. Lord, I'm, having, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm battling with depression right now. He already knows. He already knows, and he doesn't think any less of you because of that. He loves you completely and perfectly. And he may say, you know what? I know that. Let's deal with that. Come, let us reason together, as he would say to Isaiah. He's a wonderful counselor, the most wonderful counselor. He knows how to come into our lives and speak that beautiful, timely word. Sometimes it's a word of conviction. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement, right? Like that lady who's looking out the window as her husband is dying and what came to her mind? Scripture. What, what she needed to hear at that moment in time. What she needed to be reminded of because the wonderful counselor whispered into her ear and says, hey, remember where, your ho- remember where your hope is. Remember where your help is, where it comes from. He's the greatest counselor. What else? Number two on that list, mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Emphasis on mighty, emphasis on God, okay? Like, I mean, the list can stop there if you want. I mean, wonderful counselor, that's beautiful, man, that the Lord would be so gracious and compassionate to listen to us and then to speak truth into our lives and and to never become impatient with us and, and just always loving and willing to be an ear for us. I mean, in my prayer life, I do way too much talking, way too much talking. And the Lord sometimes will remind me of that. That he's like, hey, can you just stop so I can say something? But he's so gracious and compassionate. And the next thing on the list, he's mighty God or God Almighty. 
El Shaddai, creator God. This is who this child, this is who this child is. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. No one can overthrow him. No one can dethrone him. Mighty, powerful, all-powerful God. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. So you need wisdom. You need comfort. You need counseling. Well, he's that. You need strength. Well, he's that. You need security in your life. Well, he's that too. He's everlasting Father. Just like in that verse in Galatians chapter 4, the Spirit lives in us, and, he, and it's from the Spirit that we get to cry out, Abba, Papa, Dada, right? So intimate is that language to our Heavenly Father. But He's an everlasting Father, never. It can't be overthrown. His rule will never end, will never end. That equals security within your life. They equal security within your life. This is all bundled up in that little bitty bundle there in Bethlehem. And do you need peace? Do you need peace? How about a peace that surpasses all understanding? How about a peace when it doesn't make any sense at all? How about a piece when you're sitting inside your house, staring out a window, your three babies have just died, and you, you just bury them with your husband who is now dying of a fever? Do you need peace? How dark is your night? How dark is your night? You need peace. There's nothing in this world that's going to offer to you who he is. Nothing. Nothing. You can be hard-headed, like me, and try to search that out for yourself, or you can be smart, unlike me, and learn from other people's ex examples. Name it. Create your own list of people who have pursued peace, trying to find peace in this life, and they, they've all come to the same conclusion. Things that the world tells you will bring peace do not bring peace. Certainly not everlasting peace. How much money do you need in this life? It'll never do the job. How, many, how much relationship and relationships do you need in this life? It'll never be enough. How much, how, I mean, how, what, do we, what we need is Jesus. What we need is Jesus, and he is the prince of peace. He himself is peace. This great gift that God has given to us that we're celebrating at this time of the year, God incarnate, Jesus, wonderful counselor, he's mighty God, he's our everlasting father, and he is the prince of peace. And like a reference from the, from the epistles there, it is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And what that basically means is it's a peace it's a calmness when it just doesn't make sense. You've ever experienced that? Maybe you've seen that in other people. Maybe you've felt that before, and outsiders have come to you and say, how, how are you keeping it together? You say, I, man, I don't know. I guess it's peace. It's the Lord in me. It's the Lord in me. How 
far would you go to follow Jesus? The shepherds ran into a town that didn't accept them in order to find the Christ child. The wise men traveled across the world following a star to worship the newborn king. As you're immersed in the Christmas season, celebrating the coming of the Messiah, don't forget that this newborn baby would one day pick up his cross and die in your place. The one who left heaven behind to become one of us has also asked you to pick up your cross and follow him. So how far will you go to follow the Savior? You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Today, Pastor James shared a special Christmas message celebrating the birth of Jesus and the coming of our salvation. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're so glad that you decided to join us for today's special message. The Christmas season is one of new hope and new life. If you'd like to be a part of sharing that life with the world, partner with us financially in this coming year. To find out how, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And as we move into the new year, we'd like to invite you to celebrate the life we find in Jesus together in person. So come see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or Thursday at 7 p.m. We'd love to worship God together with you. Our gatherings are pretty simple and uncomplicated, and we're sure that you'll fit right in. Well, that's all that we have for today. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you here again next time with more from Bread for the Broken. Bread for the Broken